Thanks for tuning in to Upward Way Podcast. If you're looking to be spiritually blessed, moved, and inspired, there is no doubt you are in the right place. On our show, guests recount their encounter with Christ and how their lives have been transformed through the grace and love of God. And now, please welcome our host. Hello and welcome to Upward Way. I am your host, Marlon Walters. My guest today is a health lecturer with over 40 years experience and also the co-founder of Misty Mountain Lifestyle Retreat. Barbara O'Neill, welcome to Upward Way. Thank you. It's good to be here. And it is my esteemed pleasure to have you as a guest on the show. And I know I can promise the listeners right off the bat that they are in for an awesome experience. Now, Barbara, I'm going to ask you to start, we would say, at the beginning, as it relates to your faith journey, where and when did it all begin? Where it all began, I trained as a psychiatric nurse in my uh, late teens, early 20s. Then I had my first baby. My partner and I were into the alternate lifestyle. I was not at that stage a Christ- Christian. Then my mother died and I, you know, according to my Presbyterian upbringing, I thought she was floating around the sky watching. And about that time I was um, introduced to a couple who were Seventh-day Adventists. I'd never heard of a Seventh-day Adventist. And they'd not long themselves become Christians and they were very excited about their faith. And I was a little bit wary at first, but little by little I warmed to them as friends and I began to read. And I read Morrow and You Now by Arthur Maxwell and three-quarters of the way of reading through that book, I, I got down on my knees and I gave my life to God. One of the things that really, really caught me or grabbed me, you might say, is that when you die, you don't float around in the heavens, you sleep. And that was just so, so nice. It made so much sense to me. And I'm an avid reader, so I read and I read. And after I'd given my life to God, I found I I could easily read Desire of Ages, Great Controversy. About this time, I had two little children and sometimes they get cold and I did not want to give them drugs. So it was also um, very refreshing for me to find out that the Seventh-day Adventists believe in natural medicine, a health message. And so that's really where my journey began and I can see now as I look back that God was already leading me in the health way and then brought in the, the tr- truths of the Bible. That would have been about 1980. I think I missed the name of the book that you said you read. The internet kind of became unstable. Could you remind me of the name of that book that you said you read at, read at first? Okay, well, the book... Certainly, the book was called um, Your Bible and You, but I think today the edition's called 
today, tomorrow, and you. It's by Arthur Maxwell. And what what I found very good about that book, it just explained it all to me. <laughs> and with that explanation, I I gave my heart to God. Sounds fantastic. And as I recall the date you mentioned about 1980, so if I should do some mathematical calculations, that would have been about 42 years ago. Wow. <laughs> Quite a long time. So uh, what has that journey been like? Uh, there are many things you can you know, say, and I will give you a chance to go into specificities later on. But in a nutshell, you know, what has that journey been like for those 40-something years? At times, it has not been an easy journey, and I'm so glad God doesn't show us the future. But knowing God has made it possible. It's made it all worthwhile. As difficult as some of the points in my journey were, I know that I have a saviour. I know that he suffered more than any of us will, and he is able. He is able to hold our hand and keep us through every every experience that we go through, and I can testify to that. Having a relationship with God, that is so important. And as you said, you were able to trust his hand to guide you. Now, earlier I introduced you as co-founder of Misty Mountain Lifestyle Retreat. I'm not sure how many members of the audience know anything about this lifestyle retreat. So I just, I just want you to, at this time, share with us. What is Misty Mountain Lifestyle Retreat? Okay, I'll, I'll give you a quick background. Um, after becoming a Christian, my partner and I moved to a rainforest and I had, I had four more children. But unfortunately, he got very heavily involved with marijuana. And in 1993, um, I was forced to take my six children and flee. I was a single mother for four years, and my eldest daughter had gone up to Living Valley Springs, which is a health retreat in Queensland, and she began working as a massage therapist. Uh, then my son moved up, and then my next daughter. So over the next couple of years, I moved up. And after being at Living Valley Springs for one year, where I helped a little in the lifestyle centre there, the business manager asked me to marry him. After we'd been married a year, and we married 1997, so after we'd been married a year, Michael got an offer to start a health retreat down in Melbourne. That's at the bottom of Australia. And so we moved our family down there, and we started a retreat called Mountain View. We were asked to start the retreat, and we did it in a facility down there. After five years... Um, in this time, we bought our own property in New South Wales. The property was called Misty Mountain. So we started our own health retreat at Misty Mountain. And I guess that's how Misty Mountain started. And our aim was to provide a lifestyle centre that gave people an experience, the first two days of juicing and then plant-based food and we had a steam sauna by the creek 
I know here in um, Ireland they call it a, a river. <laughs> we see a river as very, very big. This wasn't too small. So we taught basically what I taught was the eight laws of health because I read in Ministry of Healing where Ellen White says they are the true remedies. So our guests would be with us for a week. They would receive health lectures. They would experience um, the lifestyle. And we found it incredibly effective. I used to say to people, you are experiencing the best form of education, and that is um, practical, practical education. So while you're hearing why it's so important and why it does help you, you are experiencing it. So that's how Misty Mountain Health Retreat began. And ah, that was probably about 2002 when Misty Mountain Health Retreat or Lifestyle Center, I should say, first began. Very succinct. I like the way you put it in a condensed manner. Now, I'm just going to, you know, go back a little. Of course, we hear about a lifestyle retreat. And I guess maybe most will understand. But who are the individuals that a lifestyle retreat center would be more beneficial to? And maybe your question is also, who comes? <laughs> is that right? Yes, that's that's it, right? Yes. We used to advertise and people used to come from all walks of life. People would come to lose weight, uh, stop smoking, um, help to uh, manage their diabetes, um, heart disease. And most of our guests, that come uh, would be probably between maybe 40 and 65. That's the majority of our guests. We do get some in their 30s, a few in their in their 20s. And we also, I think our oldest guest was 92. So we certainly do get some from all ranges. And every year we would, well, probably every three years, we would... Um, film my lectures and the last not the last but probably a few years ago when we filmed them the man who filmed them his name's henry and he's from a ministry called beyond patmos in australia and i'm looking at the time frame probably 10 years ago when he'd filmed my lectures he said do you mind if i put some up on youtube he said it to my husband and my husband said do what you want of course you can. And Henry began to cry. And Marcus said, what's the matter? He said, no one has ever given me permission before. He said, I film Signs of the Times. I film Bible studies. I film health. He said, no one has ever given me full lands. <laughs> and Marcus said, well, it's not our information. It's God's information. And the more people that can benefit from this information, the better. And so he did. So that was 10 years ago. Now, our business exploded. How did our business explode? These, these lectures went all over the world, and we started to get people from all over the world. So before COVID, 
well, the reaction to COVID, I should say, had such a devastating effect on, on business. A quarter, sometimes a third of our guests were coming from overseas. So, of course, when lockdowns happened, that put a stop to that. And the people that come, I would say the majority of people who are interested in health, interested in a better quality of life, interested in knowing how they can manage their various health complaints, possibly about 3 to 5% of our guests come with more serious disease like cancer. But the majority of people that come to our retreat are there just really to get better health. Wonderful. And, and that is very nice because you are seeing that these persons are not waiting until, I would say, the horse has already gone through the gate to seek some yes. sort of intervention, but they are seeking it when it would be more beneficial to them. You know, in, in terms of investing because of course you would have invested in your clients you would have invested in your family and into your own health but oftentimes when folks think about investment it's all about career and you know their relationship and so on but the spiritual side is woefully neglected now how do you actively pursue your own spiritual growth because i know that has to be front and center for you to be doing this for so many years. That is true. In fact, most of our guests don't realize this. So when our guests come to our lifestyle center, our retreat, we don't advertise that we are Christian because if we did, we would lose a lot of our guests. The, the atheists would not come. The agnostics wouldn't not come, and they're the very ones that we want to reach. And we find in Australia, because it's such an ungodly, secular society today, that most cold porterers, if they knock on a person's door, the door would be shut in their face. And yet this is a, it's a divine plan. It's a heaven-sourced plan is this health retreat because these people are coming into our very homes. So we are cautious and we each pray for the guests every day and we pray that God will give us wisdom. And what I always encourage our staff to do is to just follow the guests' questions. So one of our favourite questions, and it often happens in the steam sauna, is, so why are you a seven-day Venice? Praise be to God for such questions. When you are with people for a week, the barriers break down, especially when they've got a terrible caffeine headache <laughs> where I come in and give them hot foot baths and massage their shoulders and they're very, very grateful for the attention that we give them. And we know that no bed and breakfast, no hotel will give the sort of attention that we give. So our retreat is unique in that it is a divine plan. And yet again, we don't advertise as Christians because we want all walks of life to come in. And reminds me of Isaiah 
58, where it says, Is not this the fast that I have chosen to loose the bands of wickedness, to undo the heavy burdens, to let the oppressed go free, and that you break every yoke? And we see many oppressed go free who have been bound to the addictions of alcohol, of caffeine, of cigarettes, of drugs, of sugar. And then the next part says, Is it not to deal thy bread to the hungry and bring the poor that are cast out to thy house? <laughs> so with a health retreat, lifestyle center, the people are actually coming into your, into your home, into your space. It's a beautiful aspect. And notice the next verse, it says, Then shall thy light break forth as the morning, and thine health shall spring forth speedily. Thy righteousness shall go before thee, and the glory of the Lord shall be thy re reward. So this is health to the staff <laughs> as well as health to the guests. Beautiful, beautiful. I, I know sometimes um, when we have let's say clients, guests, whichever word we want to use to describe. We will have some experiences that are a bit unsettling. Have you ever had an experience with a guest that, you know, maybe caused to say, maybe I will not want to continue with what I'm doing or maybe change somehow? Yeah. I must say it's not often. It is not often. Most people that come want to come. But we did have a program where we had three guests who were starting to complain. And I always say to the staff, please go and sit with them. Please go and talk with them. <laughs> please be in the steam bath with them. But they were starting to huddle together and they were had complaints. And so one by one, I invited them into my office and one guest said, Barbara, it is so restrictive. You can't have coffee and you can't have tea. And I said to her, when I grew up, we had sausages, mashed potato, frozen peas every single night, roast lamb on Sunday. I said, that's restrictive. I said, the table we spread for you is not restrictive. <laughs> And she looked at me and she said, you know, you're right. <laughs> and that lady was happy. And then another lady came in and I said, is everything all right? Is everything good? She said, well, I don't like the fact that you're all Christians. I said, oh. She said, well, you didn't advertise that you were. And I said, well, I've noticed that the um, the supermarket doesn't advertise the faith of the people that work there. The, the shoe shop doesn't advertise the faith of the people that work there. We are a health retreat. Yes, we are Christians, but number one goal is to teach you health. And I said, let me give you an experience. I worked as a nurse. You really had to check on the nurses that everything was done right. But I said, in our massage therapist's room, I said to her, I never go there. I never check. I never check them at all because I know that these girls, these Christian girls are totally committed to doing it right. Because she was a nurse. I said, like that. She said, no, I haven't. <laughs> and so then she was happy. So I find if ever there is someone who is not happy, it works well to just sit with them. 
and just talk with them and let them express because as the Bible says, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. We also recognize that some guests that are coming off addictions, coming off coffee, can get headaches, can be, you know, get annoyed very easily. But starting uh, to get annoyed, I will say, is everything all right? Do you have a headache? I do. <laughs> well, can we help? And so we quickly get a hot foot bath. We quickly put their feet in the hot foot bath. We massage their shoulders. And, and we see exactly what Proverbs 15 verse 1 says, a soft answer turns away wrath. <laughs> and so we, we are all experienced in dealing with people that are so. And there was one lady who took me aside and she was, she was not happy. She said, I don't like the way you quote the Bible. I said, oh. She said, I don't mind if you quote the science books, but I don't like you quoting the Bible. I said, oh, do you know why that would be? She said, well, it's not a science book. So I just said, oh, okay, okay. And I just smiled. <laughs> and she left and left early because she was very annoyed with the fact that I quoted the Bible. But if you've ever heard my lectures, it might be once every 15 minutes. <laughs> and if my guests are very happy with my quotes, I'll put a few more in. She rang me up about three days later. She said, Barbara, Barbara, I've just had a friend come back from visiting the Pope and she's got some rosary beads that were blessed by the Pope. I said, oh. <laughs> I couldn't say that's terrible and I couldn't say that's good. All I could say was, oh, really? And I thought, isn't this interesting? She left because she didn't like me quoting the Bible, but she rings me up to tell me a story about the Pope blessing rosary beads. <laughs> Sometimes there's a little inconsistency, as long as there's no inconsistency with us. <laughs> That's quite a humorous uh, little anecdote. Just something I, I didn't uh, plan to ask. And this is, of course, for the benefit of all and sundry. You spoke about someone becoming addicted to coffee. But coffee is, you know, what is advertised, you know, you should consume, you should drink. So what is fundamentally problematic with, with coffee? I found it interesting about 10 years ago, Time magazine did an article on coffee. And when you read that article, you would come to the conclusion that if you want to be smart, if you want to feel good, if you want to be a genius, you need to drink coffee. <laughs> that was the whole article. Now, the next week, the uh, Time magazine had four or five letters that all said, why didn't you give the whole story? Every letter was saying that. Why didn't you give the whole story? All you spoke about was the lift you get from coffee. You did not explain why you get a lift. You did not explain its highly addictive properties and you did not explain the damaging effects of caffeine. Why did you do this, Time magazine? <laughs> and I thought, isn't that interesting? That was not a letter from me. It was a letter from people out there because the fact is, and we see it all the time at Misty Mountain, 
that within the first 24 hours, we can get people almost crippled sometimes, unable to even get out of bed, vomiting, diarrhea. Sometimes, well, often, not just sometimes, sometimes as diarrhea, sometimes as vomiting, but absolute with every withdrawal from caffeine is a terrible headache. And if people say to me, do you drink coffee, Barbara? I say, no, I just watch the people suffer. Day one, Misty Mountain <laughs> Lifestyle Centre. I don't like it when the people suffer, but in a way, it gives them a message. This is not good stuff. And so people say to me, but Barbara, I love my coffee, just makes me feel good, gets my brain going. So then I show them why. I said, you know why you feel like that? Because when you have a cup of coffee, the effect of the body is the same effect that you experience in a crisis. Blood pressure goes up, nerves are on edge, you're about to do the run or the fight of your life. So these extra energies are released. How would you feel if you, uh, if you were confronted with a crisis three times a day, every day, after a year? How are you feeling now? <laughs> Your nerves are on edge. And a lady said to me only this morning, she said, I stopped coffee a year ago. I was with my friend a couple of weeks ago. They had coffee and I thought, I love the taste. I'll have a cup of coffee. She said, I actually had two. She said, I did not like the feeling. She said, for the rest of the day, my nerves were on edge. She said, I could feel my heart rate pumping faster than it normally does. So when you understand that having a cup of coffee is the same response in the body to when we're confronted with a crisis, you can see why the body reacts that way. So if someone says to me, oh, Barbara, I love my coffee in the morning, just, just gets me up and going, my response to that is, why do you need something to get you up and going in the morning? Is it because you go to bed too late? Is it because you eat too much too late? Is it because your bedroom is like a Christmas tree in technology? Is it because your pillow's a bit musty because it hasn't seen the light of day for 10 years? Is it because uh, your windows are never open? You see, there's always a reason. When I wake up in the morning and I've just entered my 70th year, I leap out of bed. I have a lot of energy. And I believe the reason I have a lot of energy is because I go to bed between 9 and 10, I have fresh air in my room. If I eat anything, it would be very light. Often I don't eat anything at night. I was a bit hungry about 7 o'clock last night, so I had a banana. That'll be about it for me if I eat at night. And I'm well hydrated. And I ran up and down the hills behind the sea this morning and dived into the sea. It was freezing cold, but I'm not in there for long. That's the source of energy is being well hydrated, exercise, nourishing food, and timing, eating your food in the beginning and the middle of the day. And also, something to remember with coffee, the lift that it gives you, where does that come from? It comes from your adrenal glands. So to take coffee to get energy is like taking out a loan to pay off your loan. It's like robbing Peter to pay Paul. You know, there's a deficit sooner or later. <laughs> there's a deficit. 
that is an eye-opener, not only for me, but I'm sure for my listeners. That is something. And I hope as we listen, we allow it to digest, as you say, that lift. It's like taking out a loan to pay a loan. Yes, temporarily, you may feel as if, yes, I've gotten this monkey off my back. But then a few weeks later, you realize, oh, I still have another loan to repay. Now, as it relates to challenges we face sometimes, or maybe doubts or, you know, things like that, was there ever a moment in your spiritual journey that you believe you experienced maybe the greatest doubt in God or maybe the greatest distance from God? This is maybe something many persons don't necessarily ponder, but that's a question I have for you today. God has been very faithful to me and has brought me through many ups and many downs. And I'm an avid reader, so I have read a lot because I have a very inquisitive mind. I want to know why. And when I studied the Bible, when I studied the prophecies, when I saw that God is true, when I saw the great sacrifice that was made that I might live, I know that I have a God who understands, who will never leave me. And I have found that through some of the greatest trials in my life, my one comfort at that time is to know that God understands, to know that he's a solution God, and to know that he has a way through. I also understand there is an enemy there. And the the Bible says in Revelation chapter 12, verse 9, it says, and that great dragon was cast out, that old serpent called the devil and Satan, which has deceived the whole world. And I know that doubt is a deception from the devil. And so I have learned that no matter what I go through, that I stop, I look at it, and I say, Father, I know you have a way through this. (laughs) I know you have a way through it. I'll give you an example. I landed in Heathrow Airport on the 21st of August. I was to be here one night and travel to the US for September, October. But two things happened. One was they required a vaccine passport. We thought it would be over by now. I don't have and I will not have a vaccine passport. Something else happened, though. They lost my bags. I was not reunited with my bags for five weeks. (laughs) And I found the most challenging time was the middle of the night. (laughs) And in verse 10 of Revelation chapter 12, it says, And I heard a loud voice in heaven saying, Now is come salvation and strength the kingdom of our God, the power of his Christ, because the accuser of our brethren is cast down, who who accuses them before our God day and night. He's just throwing it out there. (laughs) Every minute, he never sleeps. But then I read, and I read this in Ephesians chapter 6, verse uh, 16. It says, above all, it's the armor of God, above all, take the shield of faith, 
wherewith you shall be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked one. And so what I did when I felt tempted, when I felt challenged, I used to say, Father in heaven, I know that you know where my bags are. And in 1 Thessalonians 5.18, the Bible says, in everything give thanks. And I know that God wanted me to be very thankful that my bags were lost. (laughs) And in uh, Proverbs 17.22, the Bible says, a merry heart doeth good like a medicine. God wants me to laugh about it. And he wants me to be thankful for it. And I have found help. And so I will not allow my mind to go down there because I serve such a saviour. I serve a saviour, and it's found in Ephesians 3.20, who is able to do exceedingly, abundantly, above all that we ask or think according to the power that worketh in us. So when everything's going wrong, that's when you you laugh <laughs> and you say, thank you, Father, I don't like it, but I'm trusting. I'm trusting that out of this I'm going to see, I'm going to learn because I know that, that God is getting us ready for heaven. And the amount of times people have come up to me in Ireland and said, I'm sorry, Barbara, but we're so glad your bags were lost. <laughs> have been able to lecture all through the UK and Ireland, which would not have been possible if my bags hadn't been lost. You have answered one of the questions that I typically ask my guests, and I will ask you not immediately, but, you know, as I listen to you to your outlining the story and finally saying, I am thankful that my bags were lost, one of the more prominent pastors um, in, in Jamaica is Pastor Glenno Samuels. You know, he serves currently as one of the conference directors. But he outlined a story while he was doing an evangelistic series in America during the very time when they had the 9-11. And we are familiar with that 9-11. Maybe about 21 years now, right? So... He said there was a sister who was a key member of the team. And one day in the week, I don't remember if it was a Sunday or whichever day, but she injured her leg. I can't recall exactly what he said. So I'll just say she injured her leg. And she called him, you know, very upset <laughs> that morning, saying, you know, how is it that, you know, we have this series going on and God has allowed me to injure my leg? And, you know, he provided her with, you know, response as a good pastor would. But it happened that because of that injury, she was not able to go to work because she worked in the World Trade Center. And based on her track record, she's someone who doesn't attend work late and she doesn't miss work. But because of the injury, she was unable to attend work. And when she heard of the disaster, she called him, she cried, she was weeping. She was also thankful for her life being spared because had she not had that challenge, she more than likely would have been among the casualties of that disaster. So as you said, you know, having your luggage lost 
you can see the blessings that God has afforded you. And I can say not being in the UK, not being in Ireland or you know the places that you have been and you are at now, that I have a few contacts there and they have been sharing how delighted and delightful it has been for them to have you sharing with them. So back to one of the key questions I had to ask. In a conversation with someone who has never heard about God, what would you tell them about God from your experience? Or in a more succinct way, who is God for Barbara O'Neill? Before I became a Christian, I was brought up in a Presbyterian church. But I never I never really uh, accepted God. I, I wanted to live my own life. And I felt that being a Christian would be restrictive. I wanted to do my own way, live my own life. And when my mother died, that was, that was challenging. My mother was 51. I was 25. Then I wanted to know what happened when you die. And I thought she floated around, as I mentioned earlier. And then I got a letter from a lady. When I opened the letter, it said, 52 times in the Bible, death is called sleep. I was immediately interested. You see, everyone dies. You know, the Ecclesiastes says there's a time to be born and a time to die, a time to plant, a time to pluck up with that which was planted. That I believe that every human being at some time in their life, often many times in their life, is confronted face to face with, is there a God? What happens when you die? And I believe that each one of us wants to know that. And I found all the answers in the Bible. And I encourage people, as I was encouraged to, to start with Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John are four stories about Jesus from four different men. So some of them have the same or similar stories. Some of them don't. But by the time you've read Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, you've been introduced to our Father in heaven. One of Jesus' disciples said to him one day, Jesus, show us the Father. And Jesus said, have I been with you so long? Whoso have seen me has seen the Father. So when we read of the life of Jesus, we are introduced to the Saviour. And there's a challenge. It's found in Job 2221, it says, acquaint now thyself with him and be at peace. What does acquaint mean? Get to know. Get to know. Read of him. Acquaint now thyself with him and be at peace. And that is the result. And that is the result that I had found. I found peace, a peace that I had never known before. When I surrendered my, my heart, my life to God, he came in and it says in John chapter 14, verse 27, he says, and Jesus is speaking to his disciples, he said, peace I leave with you. My peace I give unto you. You can't get a better peace than that. He gives you his peace. I know we're getting close to that season, especially in, in the north, that we refer to as Thanksgiving. So, you know, as you look at your own life, if you should give God thanks 
one person you have met, I've, I've been singling out one deliberately. Who would that person be and why? It's hard to pick one. I'd probably and, say. And, and I will allow you to add more, you know, but of course, as you. Okay, well, I'm glad because I can think specifically of two. <laughs> and one is my eldest daughter. My eldest daughter nearly died when she was born. She was preemie. And then she got severe whooping cough and they didn't expect her to live. <laughs> so the devil tried to take her a couple of times and she was, she was three when I became a Christian and she accepted Jesus as her personal saviour at the age of three. And what the girl taught me was, was so much, so much. And I remember she used to say to me, Mum, Jesus is in heaven with the angels, isn't he? And she had an experience. That daughter is now 45. <laughs> she has seven children of her own and her faith in God is as strong as it was when she was a little, a little girl. My dear Emma went through some terrible abuse in her life and yet she stayed very firm to God, and she has taught me so much, <laughs> so much. And Michael, we've been married for 25 years, and he taught me to smile. He taught me to laugh, <laughs> and he was a bikey. And when he read about Daniel chapter, chapter 2, he surrendered his life to God, and God brought us together when I was just 40. He was just 40. I was early 40s. And I came to the conclusion that marriage is really about character building and preparing for heaven. And one of the beautiful things about a good marriage is that you can be apart for a long time and it's still all right. So I've been away from home for almost five months. And and that's all right. I'm busy and my husband is busy, but he's a very good friend. And I think that that's, that's very important that, that your best friends be friends that will help you on your walk to heaven. Praise God. I, I need to document that line that your best friends be friends who will help you on your walk to heaven. This might be the final question I will toss at you. What would you say is the key to maintaining balance in your life? And it's not the kind of balance that we often think about, but, you know, with all the disappointments that you would have had, you know, the challenges, distresses that you would have encountered, you know, what it is that has caused you to, you know, absorb all of that and still remain focused? When I was in my late 20s, sorry, late teens, early 20s, I worked as a psychiatric nurse. I was not a Christian, and I didn't see people get better. And as always intrigued me is the mind. And when I became a Christian at the age of 20, because about 25, unbeknownst to me, God was still teaching me, and he was teaching me about the mind 
And Psalm 32 verse 8 says, I will instruct thee and teach thee in the way that thou shalt go. I will guide thee with mine eye. You can't get a better teacher than that. And then as I look back now, I realize where God was leading me because I see many people overcome mental illness, overcome depression, and the first place to start is the physical because when you are getting adequate oxygen, we must breathe through our noses. That's why God designed it, the nose. <laughs> We're getting pure air. We get more oxygen when we breathe through our nose. Sunshine. Did you know that the sun's rays go through neurochemical pathways and boost your serotonin? Don't take anything into the body that will harm it. No stimulants. And moderation in the good things. Go to bed early. This is one of the devil's greatest deceptions is to keep people up late. Then they rob themselves of the reviving powers of the night. It's quite an amazing process. If I had an extra hour, I could explain it to you. <laughs> All the things that happen while we sleep. Exercise every day, every day. Move that body so that you get more oxygen into every cell. Plant-based diet. We can't improve on the Garden of Eden diet. Keep that brain well hydrated. And the eighth physical law is trust into one. Now trust him. He is worthy to be trusted. Ellen White says these are the true remedies. And I have found that these eight laws of health, they're the true remedies for spiritual problems. They're the true remedies for emotional problems. They're the true remedies for mental problems. And they're the true remedies for physical problems. So you ask me how I keep balance. If I can balance those eight laws and bring them into my everyday life, I have energy, I have grounding, and I am now able to do what God wants me to do. God's work suffers because the saints are sick. <laughs> so many are sick, and I believe it's because they haven't found the secret of the value and the power in those eight laws. That's another gem. God's work suffers because the saints are sick. Let me say thanks to you. My guest today has been Barbara O'Neill, health lecturer with over 40 years experience and also co-founder of Misty Mountain Lifestyle Retreat. Now, there are two things I'm going to have you do before we close, Barbara. One is to share with the listeners where they can go to connect. I have the information here, but it's always best, as we'll say, to hear from the horse's mouth. So maybe the website, if there's an email address that you would want them to share. And then after that, I will have you share your parting words. So first, where can persons go to find Misty Mountain to connect? Okay. Um, if you want to have a look at Misty Mountain Lifestyle Center, and by the way, Australia is open at the moment. We can't promise how long that will be, but you can get into Australia at the moment. And it's www.mstmountain.com. MMH. Now that's short for Misty Mountain Health. So www.mmh.com.au. So that is our website, and you'll get a helicopter view of the property, and uh, that can take you into a few areas. 
Um, because the government has seen fit to ban my my work in Australia, but praise God, the health retreat still runs and we've got a great team there. We are unable to put any of my lectures on our website. But if you Google Barbara O'Neill, in any subject, you will find a huge range. Last year, Amazing Discoveries Canada filmed 50 presentations of mine. I think if you put Barbara O'Neill in, <laughs> you, you will come to quite a bit. And again, they have quite a bit of information too. I hope the listeners got that. We had a bit of technicalities, but just to recount what you have just said. So the website, it's www.mmh, and that is for Mr. Mountain Health, mmh.com.au. And as Sister Barbara just said, you may not be able to find her lectures on the website because of some challenges that she has been having. But if you just Google her name or you go to YouTube, you'll be able to find that wealth of information. So you shouldn't have any challenges there. So now for the sweet part, do you have any parting words to share with our listeners? Yes, I do. I'd like to encourage everyone to to value the treasure that they have in their human body. I always say that if you don't look after your car and it breaks down, you can just buy another one, but you can't buy a new body, but you actually can because our body's constantly being remade. So if it's not working very well, as soon as you begin to give it the right conditions, it recovers. In fact, it's an amazing piece of machinery and I'm constantly astounded at what human bodies do once given the right conditions. Respect your body. Give it the best conditions and it will do you very well, very well. And in the book Ministry of Healing, beautiful book, for those that hadn't read it, please, uh, please search that one out. It's uh, Ministry of Healing by Ellen White. Page 127, she says, Nature's process of healing and upbuilding is gradual and to the impatient it can seem slow, so give it a bit of time. She also says that natural remedies require amount of care and effort that many are not prepared to give. Again, give it a little bit of time. But those who persevere in obedience to her laws will reap the benefit in health of body and health of mind. So that's a nice promise that you can hold on to. Amen. Just exercise a bit of patience and you will see the result in the end. You've been in tuned to Upward Way. Do join us again next week when we'll have another interesting guest sharing his or her story of faith. Subscribe to weekly episodes on the Apple, AWR, Lord Voice, or Podcast Guru Apps. You're also welcome to visit Upward Way Facebook page. Click like and leave a comment. Until then, I am Marlon Walters saying goodbye. May God bless you. You've been listening to the Upward Way podcast, the number one audio production show for people who want encouragement and reassurance in a muddled world.